Let's take our Bibles now and turn to Acts chapter number 18, the latter part of Acts 18. We'll just begin there. Our text is chapter 19 in the first seven verses, but Acts chapter number 18, and we'll begin reading in verse number 24. So Acts chapter number 18. I trust if you get excited during the message that you're getting excited about the message. You're not checking scores or anything like that. So, all right. All right. Well, I spoke to the uh, new members class this morning and told them, you know, we want to honor God and we want to help people. As a a church, that's what we ought to do. And I believe the Word does just that. It does. It honors God. It'll be a help to people. The people that we meet will be at different levels of understanding. And so that's why they need the Bible. And so let's read about that here tonight in Acts chapter number 18. And let's begin reading in verse number 24. A certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to go to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. So evidently, what he got, he was able to pat what he received, he was able to pass on to others. He did that in Corinth, and he was a help to them. Verse 28 says, For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues. By the way, that's known languages, consistent with what was in the book of Acts chapter 2. They spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. Twelve men in all. And so tonight... I want to consider this uh, with you here tonight for the next few moments. The next step in your spiritual life. The next step in your spiritual life. May God bless the reading of His Word as you're seated. We'll get into the message here this evening. It is true, we must be patient with others because people are at different levels of understanding. We've got to allow time for people to come along in understanding things. That would be true in several realms of life, from cooking, you know, it takes a while for those that are learning to cook to come along in that area. 
I'm so thankful for how my wife has done just that. I mean, but right off the bat, I've got to say, I mean, she had it pretty well down. I want to clarify that. That's right. But I'm telling you, you know, she's learned over the years as well, you know, but you just don't start out knowing everything, isn't that for sure? And, and, uh, but I'm telling you, I enjoyed a really good pecan pie today, not pecan, pecan, all right? And so anyways, just trying to help everybody's understanding of life here, all right? People are at different levels of spiritual understanding. Uh, I understand some teachers were asking questions to their class of children, and uh, these were some of the responses they received back. One teacher asked, what was the first commandment? And one little person said, the first commandment was when Eve told Adam to eat the apple. <laughs> That's the first commandment. <laughs> All right. <laughs> she got that one right, right? <laughs> said, uh, who is Noah's wife? And one little Guy raised his hand and said, Joan of Arc. <laughs> Joan of Arc. All right. How about Lot's wife? What happened? What was it about Lot's wife? And one little boy raised his hand and said, she was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, got kind of close, but you know, they got to learn. They've got to learn as they... Come along, pillar of fire, salt by day and ball of fire by night. All right. Getting close. Well, you know, we need guidance in the Bible because really you look at this, there's a lot to know here. If you've spent any time reading the Bible through your lifetime, I'm sure you'd testify to this, that there'd be times, no matter how many times you've read it through, you'd say, you know, I don't think I've ever noticed that. You know, it's just, it's just a, there's a lot of knowledge to be gained here. And so... Uh, it's no wonder that if somebody maybe comes in and maybe they're an adult or maybe they're a teenager and they have not had the privilege of growing up in church, there's a lot of Bible stories they're going to need to learn along the way and have a lot to catch up on. And so I just want to throw this in here. If you grew up in church, you ought to thank God that you had somebody that kept you in church so that you could learn about Lot's wife and Noah's wife and the commandments and all these things. We've got to start somewhere. I understand that uh, on... Uh, bus 13, I believe it is, are learning about the commandments uh, week by week. Well, that's wonderful that these children are learning about the commandments. Isn't it great? I, I'm glad our buses, they don't just fill the buses up and bring them in, but while they're traveling, they're teaching them songs and, and teaching them lessons and doing activities with them. Well, you better occupy their time somehow. And so it might as well, well be with the Bible, but, but I'm grateful for that because we are living in a day and time in America where people are biblically illiterate. They don't know the Bible. They don't know the Bible. And unfortunately, uh, the way that some churches approach uh, church ministry excludes teaching and preaching of the Bible in great quantity, and the songs are being dumbed down, and so we have a dumbed-down Christianity. I'm just talking about by and large. Well, we need to just teach doctrine and truth, and so that's why we give a heed, give heed to the world, the Word, rather, uh, because there's a lot to know in this book. You know, we live in a world also of upgrades, don't we? we? Live in a world of upgrades. Some of you this year, you got an upgrade. You changed operating systems, didn't you? Some of you did. Some of us still holding out old school, conservative. Anyways, just being silly, but operating systems, 
change and you've got to, what does somebody sometimes say to you? You got to get with a program. You got to get with a program. Um, my son Trevor was asking uh, Tyler, did y'all have the e-club when you were in patch? You know, I mean, times are changing, even in patch. Now you can be on in the e-club, you know, online stuff through patch. Isn't that awesome? Anyways, if I was a kid, I'd be excited about that for sure. Yep. You know, with every change, there's got to be some adjustments made. Some adjustments. I was visiting with somebody that works here at the warehouse at O'Reilly's and, and of course, uh, worked at the, at the warehouse in Springfield. But, you know, that was all uh, back in the day when it was paperwork and, and um, not all automated, not, you know, all computerized as far as, you know, scanning things in. Now as guys stock the shelf, they scan it and then stock it. We just stocked it and that's why it was like it was and... And so now if I walk, I'm just saying, if I walked into O'Reilly's, even though I worked at the one in Springfield, come to this one that's more, you know, up to date and, and modern and such, I would have a learning curve because things have changed. It's a new era. It's a new, it's a new generation. It's a new program. And so there'd be something there to learn. And sometimes you're not even aware that the programs have changed. You're not even aware of the updates. I don't pretend in any way to be, uh, you know, savvy on all that's going on in the world of technology. And technology can leave us behind in a hurry, can it? Because you get this version of that and then this version, that version. I'm telling you, it just keeps rolling, doesn't it? Keeps rolling. You're too cheap to pay for the upgrades, right? Sometimes that might be what it is. And sometimes you just don't know about it. Well, here we have in Acts chapter 19, we have... Uh, Paul coming into the town of Ephesus for the second time. He was only there a brief time previously. But this time he comes into contact with certain disciples. And upon quizzing them and asking them some questions, his leading question was this, is have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we haven't heard about that. We haven't heard about that. And, um, and so then he begins to explain and the is talking to them. And so we're going to see tonight that here's this group of 12 men, by the way, that would have also represented families. And it may very well be that this became part of the nucleus of the church that was planted there in, in Ephesus. Uh, we don't know all the details here, but nonetheless, uh, God did a great work. It was a major impact that Paul had in the city of Ephesus. Great things took place. He was there for three years, and the gospel had great coverage in Ephesus. But it all really began right here. Of course, it also began, as we read, with Apollos, but began here. But I found this to be true. Major impacts begin with individuals. And here, was, here were twelve. Paul cared about their spiritual understanding. I want us to think about that tonight. He cared about their spiritual understanding, and he wanted to help them to take the next step. And so what I want to challenge you about from the Word, which I believe would be along the lines of what Luke was conveying to Theophilus, as he was talking about the movement of the gospel and how that the Jews were saved and then, and then the Samaritans were saved and then the, the Gentiles had been saved. And so now we're dealing with some that were followers of John the Baptist. And so really the gospel just continues having a widespread effect. And so we see that Paul 
cared about their spiritual understanding. May God help us to have a care and concern about the spiritual understanding of the people that we, with whom we come in contact. Because we ought to. Well, here they are. It says it's, that it came to pass as Apollos was already gone to Corinth. Paul passed there through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost? Now, we don't know all their conversations, but he was concerned about where they were. And they indicated that they hadn't, weren't aware of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he, so he asked then, Unto what were you baptized? They said, Unto John's baptism. And so that was helping Paul to assess where they were. He could only give them direction if he understood where they were. And you've got to understand that uh, John the Baptist was on the scene over 20 years prior to this. And uh, they were many miles removed from where John the Baptist labored. And however they got their knowledge and insight, we, we just simply do not know that. But over 20 years. So I, I tried to put that in perspective. Imagine that we're going back to the year 1994, 20 years ago. Just think how much things have changed since 1994. Hairstyles have changed. Glasses have changed, haven't they? And then they come back. Yep. A lot of things have changed. I graduated in 1994 from high school and, and <laughs> look at that, man, some born in 94, that's scary. But anyways, uh, graduate, you know, we didn't even know what a cell phone was. You believe that? I graduated high school without knowing anything about a cell phone. I'm sure there was some kind of a brick around that... You can carry in a bag, but things have changed. So you take somebody from 1994 and you drop them in 2014, they're going to need a little bit of orientation, aren't they? And now you can carry a computer in your hand called a cell phone. There's things like apps and stuff. Yeah. All kinds of new upgrades in technology. Well, here we're talking about how things progressed and how that there was a, an awareness and things moving forward in God's work. So he asked him, have you received the Holy Ghost? This, the answer to this question would help Paul to assess where they were in their understanding of the mission, the mission that Christ gave to the church to evangelize the world. By asking this question, he would know if they understood the, the role of the Spirit and how he was to be involved in their life. Hey, wait a minute. Now, don't, don't get confused by Paul's question. He wasn't asking them, now, have you received the Holy Ghost like some of the characters ask people today? Have you received the Holy Ghost, the second blessing? Yeah, I've received the second blessing and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth. I've got blessing after blessing after blessing coming into my life. You understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of confusion in our day and time about the Holy Spirit of God. That's not why Paul was asking them. He was not asking them, have you received the Holy Ghost and had this wild experience? No, Paul was driven. Paul was focused on the role of the Holy Spirit of God. 
And that, listen, by the way, according to what Jesus said in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, that when the Comforter would, was come, when the Holy Spirit was come, that he would testify of things about Christ. He would not glorify himself, but he would glorify me, Jesus said. So anytime you see a ministry that has an inordinate amount of attention drawn to the Holy Spirit, that ought to be a red flag. Because when the Holy Spirit is operating, he's not drawing attention to himself, but rather to the Lord Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So Paul's not asking here, have you had some kind of a wild experience like I've had? That wasn't it at all. But he was concerned about their spiritual experience, their spiritual life. He was concerned about their understanding of the church. Now, they say uh, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And and whether or not, uh, you know, what they had in mind there, it's hard to assess. Here's why. Because if you remember in Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist preached that there was coming one who would baptize them in the Spirit. Do you remember that? And so John preached about the coming of the Spirit, and he preached about the coming of Christ. And so what these individuals understood and what they do not did not understand, we don't fully know. In fact, I'll say this to you about this section of Scripture here. If you read four commentaries, you're going to get at least five explanations. You with me on that? You read four, you're getting at least five explanations. And so some say, I don't know that these people were even saved. And some say different things. I mean, there's all kinds of things about that. And, and I'm sure there's a lot that we could say here tonight. But it's, it's simple to see that they did not understand the things about the Holy Spirit of God. It must be that they had even less knowledge and understanding than what Apollos had. Because Apollos did not require baptism. He just needed further explanation of the Word of God, and he was well on his way. Here's a group of individuals that had to be baptized in Jesus' name. And, and, and we could compare these two groups, and I think that's why they are, by the way, side by side. In, a, in describing Apollos, he was fervent in the Spirit, and he was uh, instructed in the way of the Lord, and that would be in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so how much did these people know in Acts chapter 19 about Jesus We don't fully know, but what Paul deals with very rapidly is he says then that that, uh, he asks them about their baptism. He talks, and they say it was under John's baptism, and and then uh, they are baptized in the name of Jesus. And so then also it says in verse number 6 that he laid hands on them, and the Holy Ghost came on them. Now, we need to understand what's going on here. We need to understand a little bit about the setting and, and why it was said like it is said here. So evidently, these individuals did not know about Pentecost. Pentecost being when the Spirit of God came. You remember Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father that the Spirit of God would come. Now, here's what you find in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2... You have the Spirit of God coming on Jews, Peter, the other apostles. Everybody with me here tonight? Peter and the other apostles. There was no water baptism mentioned. There was no laying on of hands. So you see a guy on TV putting his hand on phony baloney right there. Yep. But in Acts chapter 2, they received the Spirit. They spoke in tongues that would be known languages. As it is, I mean, it's just plain and clear there. So why? What was the what was the purpose 
of the speaking in tongues and, and the, the um, uh, coming of the Spirit in that, in that form and fashion. Well, it was a sign, as, as is indicated in the Word of God. It was an indication. It was validating their message. You see, that was prior to the completion of the New Testament. And so the Spirit of God was validating, yes, and making evident His come to the Jews that the nation had been set aside, not totally, but for the time period that the kingdom would not be established, but that now the church would be in place. And it was thus assigned to the Jews. And a fulfillment, a partial fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. So then you go to chapter 8 of Acts. Now, we're not going to turn to all these passages, but you can read it later. But in Acts chapter 8, here's what's happening. The Spirit of God comes upon the Samaritans. Well, what happens is, is that the Samaritans, which would be half Jew, half Gentile, um, and so they believed, they were baptized. Then Peter and John come, which would be a representation of the Jewish individuals, This was so important for them to see that this salvation message and God's program of the church is not just for Jews, but it's also for Samaritans. So on purpose, the coming of the Spirit was delayed, everybody getting this, so that the Jewish delegation could see the Spirit of God has also come upon the Samaritans. It validated that it gave proof of their acceptance. Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, now Peter is sent by God to preach to a Gentile named Cornelius. Cornelius is saved as well as others that are gathered there together. Listen to this. They receive the Spirit. They speak in tongues. Then they're baptized. You say, well, now what's the proper order? Acts doesn't give it to us. In one case, here they were, they were baptized, then they, uh, or there was no baptism, they spoke in, uh, in tongues there in Acts chapter 2, no laying on of hands, Acts chapter 8, then the order was different than that, in that, in that they, uh, they were saved, they were baptized, the Spirit did not come immediately until James and John came, then there was the laying on of hands here in Acts chapter 10, they believed, they received the Spirit, they spoke in tongues, then they were baptized, no laying on of hands. All right? You say, well, what's the point? Well, the, the point is, is that there's no normative pattern by which the Spirit of God came in Acts, so you can't build theology on that aspect of it, the, that the Spirit of God would come and seek in a second blessing, all kinds of whacked out stuff that other people get into. Yep. So what we need to do is, is then to go to the epistles where Paul and Peter would write and explain that when a man believes, listen to this now, here's the normal pattern. When a person believes, when they place faith in Jesus Christ, they are immediately sealed with the Spirit of God. How long does that last? Until the day of redemption. They are sealed, born again by the Spirit of God. And then we are commanded as believers to be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so there it is. That's when you start speaking in tongues. No, Filling of the Spirit means that you're speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and giving melody in your, making melody in your hearts to the Lord, and that you're thankful and that you're submissive. In other words, the Spirit of God enables the believer to live the spiritual life. And it brings control, not wildness. In fact, 
Paul will rebuke the church in Corinth for getting into realms of what they called spiritual manifestation and utterance, but it was confusion. It was causing all kinds of confusion. And there was pressure that if you don't speak in tongues, then you must not really be spiritual. That same emphasis is placed there by, in modern days by Assemblies of God and Pentecostalism and the Charismatic Movement to say, listen, if, in fact, some would go so far as to say, is, if you have not spoken in tongues, you're not really saved. You check out their theology. It's in their doctrinal statements. Others would say, well, you're not really spiritual until you've received the gift of the Spirit and the second blessing and experienced your own Pentecost. And, and thus there's all kinds of pressure on people there in the pew to have some kind of an experience and thus they'll get into it as best they can, but it's fake. Yeah. You see this? It was to show to the Jews, it was a sign, Jesus has come, the church is in place. He's accepting Samaritans. He's accepting Gentiles. And here what we have in Acts chapter 19 would be those disciples that were influenced by John's preaching and teaching, whatever level of understanding they had. Basically, they were in an old era, watch this, and they needed to be brought into a new era. It's almost like they were Old Testament type saints. He's coming. He's coming. Now, Apollos was different because he had understanding of who Jesus was. It may very well be that these individuals understood that Jesus was the Christ. And yet they had not heard, listen, about God's program, namely the church. Namely, the work of the Spirit in worldwide evangelism. And so they didn't have all that knowledge. So they had to be called up on what had taken place. And basically, we could say it this way. Paul was saying to them, you need to get with the program. In a kind way, he's saying that, here's what's taking place. Here's what God is doing. And as a result of that, then, they are baptized in the name of Jesus. And then Paul laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And it was indication to them that this Holy Spirit is real and true and at work in the world today. And God did a great work in Ephesus as a result of it. Yep. So they took what we would consider the next step. And so, you know, I think this is very good for us because you read through the book of Acts, you don't find the Philippian jailer speaking in tongues. You don't find Lydia speaking in tongues. You don't find Crispus speaking in tongues. And you don't find others that are saved and baptized speaking in tongues. There must be a reason for that. This is a rare situation. There must then be a purpose for it, and it was. It was validation helping others to take the next step that had been influenced in certain ways of thought, namely Judaism or the exclusion of the Gentiles. God is saying, wait, we don't exclude Samaritans, we don't exclude Gentiles, and we do include the, 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 the disciples of John, and we're bringing them up to speed so that now we're on board. The kingdom has been postponed. The church is in place. Let's roll. All right? In a nutshell, that's what's going on. I just met a young man um, in uh, El Paso. He's a, uh, a soldier, man serving our country. And he said this. He said that he was in a Pentecostal church in the charismatic movement. He said, I, I wrote his words down so I wouldn't forget them. He said, I was in a charismatic church until I, until I started studying the Bible. <laughs> yep. He said, when I started studying the Bible, I saw that things weren't doing right there. At that church, and so he said, I needed something different. He said, I'm so thankful for a Baptist preacher who took me under his wings and taught me what the Bible said. You know what I'm glad about? 
I'm glad that as people get into this Baptist church and they start to study the Bible, they're not inclined to go elsewhere because what we're doing is in the Bible. We don't have to be afraid that people would study the Bible out. In fact, it'll make you a good Baptist. For sure. The disciples here in Ephesus took the next step in their spiritual life because somebody gave them instruction and they submitted themselves to the next step to move forward. I want to ask you tonight, what might be your next step? What might be your next step? I dare say that it's not that you've been exposed to the John's baptism. That was a long time ago. We're many years and many miles removed. So I doubt that it's that. But it may be today that you need to be saved. It may be that you're yet in your sin. You need to be forgiven of sin. We'd be glad to take a Bible tonight and show you from the Word of God, not from man's opinion, but from the Word of God, how that you might be saved. If you've been saved, I want to ask you this tonight. Have you been scripturally, biblically baptized? That means by immersion, deep water, enough that you got all wet. Have you been scripturally baptized by the right authority? By the right authority. The only one that has the authority to baptize is the one that Jesus authorized to baptize. And that's the church that Jesus started. And the church that Jesus started is the Baptist church. And that's why we require Baptist baptism. That's still preaching the same doctrine that Jesus taught his disciples then all the way through. I appreciate the testimony of Bob and Jan Helsell. They're not here tonight, but I really do appreciate their humility. They were coming from a Methodist church background. And they came here, and I think I've shared with you their testimony. They sat up here one of the first times, and they said, Brother Jason, it was such a blessing to look down and see all the open Bibles on the main floor, and people hungry to hear from the Word of God. And as time went along, then they began to see that, that this was supposed to be their church home. And I talked to them about their salvation. Well, both of them knew for sure that they were saved. And then I talked to them about their baptism. And they had had baptism, uh, either Methodist baptism or a different uh, church background. I'm forgetting all the details right now. They had had that baptism as young adults. Then they even took a trip to Jerusalem and got baptized in the Jordan River. Uh, it's just part of the, the trip. And I thought, well, you know, John the Baptist baptized there, and Jesus did. Maybe there's enough Baptist water still floating around there to, maybe they'd be all right, you know. Brother Bob, I guess, in his 70s, and certainly don't disclose Miss Jan's age, of course. But I appreciate the fact that both of them, as we sat down with them and opened up the Bible and, and sent some materials for them to read and understand uh, why, we, why we hold to Baptist baptism, I'm thankful that as they, listen, as they got the information, then they submitted themselves to believers' baptism and were baptized here. That's a real blessing. I'm thankful to God for that and uh, that I believe took uh, some humility on their part and some willingness. And so I'm very, very thankful. And now they look back on it and they're very grateful for it. And they're glad to have this as their church home. Have you been saved? Have you been baptized, scripturally baptized? 
If not, then you need to take that next step. There, it may be tonight that there's somebody that has been saved, but you've never went ahead and been baptized. Now's the time. Now's the time. Don't put it off any longer. Go ahead and be baptized. I'm so thankful that uh, even last Sunday, Miss Jewel, that uh, is a, now a member of our church, she uh, in our new members class, she said, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take the step. And I didn't know that she needed to be baptized, but somebody had been talking to her and explaining to her her need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism and was baptized last Sunday morning. What a blessing that that is for people to come to realize, you know, I've been saved, but I've never been baptized. I need to follow God in baptism. You've been saved, been baptized. Let me ask you this. Are you in church? Well, you, I'm here. That's good. Are you a member of this church? I realize you need to follow God's leadership for your life and get information about the church. Hey, listen, we want folks to make an informed decision. Paul wanted these men to make an informed decision about church membership and about, about uh, understanding the church even at that time, such a transitional period. But maybe you're here and you've been praying about it for a long time. I'm asking you tonight, have you been saved? Have you been baptized? Are you a member of this church? If not, why not? Have you been saved? If not, why not? What are you waiting on? There's not another Savior. Have you been baptized? If not, why not? Well, I don't like to get up in front of anybody. Listen, there's only a few people here. And they're all friends. And they'll be glad for you to be baptized. And you don't have to say anything. You just, you just have to acknowledge that you've been saved and you want to follow the Lord in baptism. And somebody explain to you what baptism is. You want to be a member of this church. You believe that this church is headed in the right direction, matching up with the Bible, and God's been leading you. Then listen, what are you waiting on? Just go ahead and take that, what I refer to tonight as the next step. The next step in your spiritual life. Are you a member of the church? Maybe you are a member of the church and you ought to get involved. Are you involved? It's one thing to be a member of the church. Another thing to be involved, plugged in to the ministry of the church and the life of the church. Are you plugged in? Maybe your next step would be a Sunday school class or be working in the nursery or some, some way. And I enjoyed this morning as... We were explaining some things to the new members class. One of the dear ladies asked, now, if I get into the nursery, does that mean I have to miss the services? You know, all of them? And I said, no, we'll rotate you in and out. You know, you don't have to miss them all, but be involved. Be involved. And I appreciate her willingness and eagerness even to be involved and to serve. But tonight, let me, let me just say a word to use our church family here this evening. I believe God wants us to care about the spiritual understanding and the spiritual life of the people that God brings to this church. People are going to need understanding about salvation. They're going to be confused about what it means to be saved. Now, you and I, many of us at least, have known what it means to be saved a long time. But listen, don't, don't assume. Don't assume that people understand the simplicity of the gospel. Don't assume that. It says that Paul met them. He encountered them. That means he was friendly enough to engage them in conversation. You know, it's amazing what inroads you are able to obtain if you first simply are friendly. Be friendly with people. Be friendly with people. Um, I uh, shared with the class this morning that on the plane ride back, met a young man sit beside a young man that uh, is here and uh, stationed here in Oklahoma City at Tinker. He's in the Navy. 
I said, um, tell me about why you wanted to join the Navy. He said, I wanted to see the world. <laughs> and here I am <laughs> in Oklahoma. <laughs> I said, well, we got Lake Hefner. <laughs> But, you know, just kind of being friendly and, and open up a conversation. Well, it led to spiritual things. And I said, hey, I want to invite you to church. And he said, you know, my girlfriend and I, we've wanted to find a church. And so I said, well, we sure would love to have you to be there. Listen, there's, there's ways, there's inroads. Try to be friendly. But people will be confused about salvation, about baptism, and about the Bible. Confused about the Bible. They need somebody to help them understand they may help, need help finding out where places are in the Bible, knowing what the Bible is. Confused. Isn't there a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit? They need somebody to help them understand. And about church, a lot of confusion about church and the Lord's Supper and creation, the Old Testament, New Testament, the kings, prophets, prophecy. But I believe tonight also there's going to be some folks that come here who are confused about what it means to have a godly home. How to be a godly husband. How to be a wife. I'm, I'm talking about just in some practical ways. How to be a parent. How to take care of little ones. How to, how to take care of teens that are getting new brain cells and stuff like that. I mean, they, they need help. They need help. Well, you and I, listen, we don't have it all figured out. But most likely, you know more because of your faithfulness to be in church and being raised maybe in a godly family. Most likely, you know quite a bit more than folks that are out of church, obviously. And so we can have a real part in helping them take their next step. I want to say this to you tonight. Your next step may be helping somebody else take their next step. That might be your next step. Helping somebody else take their next step. How about these young people tonight? A lot of them are coming upon their graduation. I mean, it's February now. May's coming. Getting ready to graduate. You know what they need? They need to hear from some adults that have been there before that know and that will maybe just listen. What do you believe God wants you to do? Have you received the Holy Spirit's leadership in your life since you've believed? Have you received His guidance about where you're supposed to go to school and what career and calling you're supposed to be a part of? Have you heard from Him about who you're supposed to marry? That's a big decision. That's a big step. If that's your next step, you take that with fear and trembling. Take it carefully. Such a big step. You need two things. Instruction and submission to God's program. See, these people, they, they took the next step because they got instruction and then they submitted themselves to it. What's your next step? If it is marriage, then you need instruction. And you need to submit yourself to God's way of marriage. You see how this plays out in our day-to-day -day life? Your life decisions? How about finances? What's your next step financially? What's your next step financially? It may be that you need instruction and guidance. And it may be that God has blessed you with finances. You could be a help to somebody else to know how to take some steps financially. What's your next step financially? 
What you need is instruction and then submit to God's program. Submit to God's way. I just want to encourage you tonight. Take time to help people. They may think that Lot's wife became a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. What do they need? They need somebody that will help them. Take time to help people. I appreciate one of the young men came by tonight before the service and said, Hey, the young lady that we brought to church today, a group of them, I met them after services, trying to decide where to eat. They went out to eat, and then they talked to this young lady about salvation. She called on on Jesus to be her Savior today. It's a blessing. Take time to help people. Take time to receive instruction. And then once you've received from God what the next step is, take a step. You take that one step, he'll lead you to the next one and the next one. That's why it's called a Christian walk. What's the next step? Father, we come to you and pray. We know there are some, Lord, that need instruction in the Word of God. Maybe they don't see how that the Word relates to them. Maybe they're not taking your Word seriously. Father, would you help us to give them a Bible and then instruction in the Bible? Help us, dear God, this year to take steps forward in discipleship and helping others to grow spiritually and helping their lives to be stable and obedient to you. God, I thank you for the way that you brought us to Christ. And it may take more than one visit to the church for some people to understand what salvation is about. Help us to be patient, to be praying, to be earnest and trying to lead others to Christ. And God, help us to be patient and understanding towards others and even long-suffering towards those maybe who have been saved and maybe even still making wrong decisions. Help us to be patient to remember that, that where we are spiritually took us some time to grow into that. Dear God, please help us to do that. Give us a heart for people. Help us to be more friendly. Help us to come into contact with more people that need to know the Savior and to share Christ with them and to bring them to this church and May it be a blessing to their life, I pray. Help us to be ready when they come. Help us tonight, dear God, to be mindful of those that are even here tonight that are our guests, to befriend them and to talk with them and to sit with them and invite them to be a part. God, help us to be of that heart and spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.